Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through 39. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Who will bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. So we are now midway through our month-long series on death and dying. And I know that these are not easy topics that we have explored. I know that it is sometimes disconcerting to even sit here and listen, much less speak these things. But I want to tell you just how incredible the Holy Spirit has been. That even in the midst of last week laying out this concept of Sheol, which resonated so quickly with some, and for some it caused a lot of inner turmoil and distress, that even in the midst of that, conversations were being had and people were reaching out to try to understand and that is a glorious beautiful thing and the church is a beautiful vessel of God when it shows us that that is how we deal with dissonance but I want you to know that whether or not you agreed with Sheol is okay with me if you agreed I'm so glad that it resonated with you if you didn't that's fine too The United Methodist Church does not require you to believe everything I say. And I don't require it either. I don't expect it. I don't need it. In fact, sometimes when you don't agree with me, it forces me to become better at articulating myself or understanding what we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes it calls me into account, and I appreciate that. So do not feel like you have to agree with me on the concept of shale or some of the other things that I have to say. But the truth is that we agree on the critical points. We agree on the Trinity and on the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his atoning death on the cross, and God will help us bridge any gaps other than that. And so as we move forward, I'm grateful for the opportunity today to hopefully strengthen you just a little bit more. Why is it important that we talk about death? It's important because death happens. I visited two families last week who are confronting the imminent death of one of their loved ones. 
It's important to know that we can talk about it, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we can be strengthened by the promise of Jesus Christ and the scriptures that tell us that God is with us every step of the way, not just up until our death, but through death and for eternity afterwards. These are vital, and they make the biggest difference in people's lives when we can cling to them in our moment of need. And it hit home for me this week also, as this week I found out that now both of my parents are in some stage of renal failure. Found out also that my mother had to have a biopsy, and we're pretty sure it's going to come back as cancerous. So in the midst of all of that, after I got over the shock of the possibility, I was able to continue to have conversations with my parents that we've been having for years now about death and dying and what does it mean and what does it look like and what do they want and what are their expectations and how can I be part of that? Because whether I like it or not, one day my parents will die. One day. And I have to be prepared for that. And not only that, but I have a duty to help prepare them and make sure that our family is together and upheld and solid and edified in those times. So as we've been having conversations together, I assure you my household is having these conversations too. But I want to point out today something that often slips by. This text is something that is traditionally read in services of death and resurrection at funerals. And yet so often in that moment when you're there to mourn the loss of somebody so beloved, is not the time to introduce new concepts about death. It's a time for us to be reminded and supported in the recollection, the remembrance of God's truth for us. You don't want to try to be getting people to theologically engage when they're mourning and their hearts are torn asunder. Instead, we need to have those conversations now so that we can be edified when our day comes to mourn. And it's important because, as Paul points out, there are divisions in life. There are times when we are separated from one another. And right now, I don't know about you, but I feel like this country is pretty divided. I feel like there are relationships that are being torn asunder. I feel like there are fractures and fissures and all kinds of behavior going on right now that is tearing people apart. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, there have been times when the church has helped to tear people apart. And that's our sin, that we have let that happen. And today, I want to assure you, just as Paul said, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not your life, not your death, not your socioeconomic class, not your state of marriage, singleness or divorce, not even the manner of your death can separate you from the love of God. And this is important because there have been plenty of times where people have heard that message. I go back to about five years ago at my last church in my last office when a young woman in her early 30s came to see me. And she came because we had started advertising that in our newly launched third worship service, we would be doing a worship series about topics you never talk about in church. And I kind of laid out what some of those were, like capital punishment and abortion and suicide and mental illness and disabilities. We were going to talk about these things in worship. And she came to see me because she needed to know some truth from God. And she sat down in my office, and as we were there together, she said, when I was 17 and I was in high school, my best friend committed suicide. 
And she said, when that happened and the news got around, we were both members of an Episcopalian church. And the Episcopal priest came to my house and he sat down with me in my living room. And he told me that my best friend, because she committed suicide, was going to burn in hell. It still breaks my heart to know that that was what was said. It is not the official stance of the Episcopalian Church. Maybe that was just that priest's personal feeling. I don't know. But here was an occasion when this woman needed to be able to push back against that and say, no, that's not true. Because the Apostle Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not her life, not her death, not the manner of her death. That God loves her in spite of that. How I wish his words had been more along the lines of that God, as we know in Jesus Christ, not only mourns with us, but mourns for us. That when we pass away, God is mourning that loss, that vibrancy that we have enjoyed here on earth. And that this young woman, who at the age of 17 was so helpless and hopeless and surrounded by the darkness of depression that she could find no release, no relief, except to take her own life. And that there is no way that the God I know and love and serve doesn't mourn that. And I don't believe that God holds that against her or anyone else. Not the God who came to heal the sick. Not the God who came to make us whole. So it matters. It matters when we say and we believe and we push back against sources within and outside of the church that say, no, there are people that are not equal. There are people that God does not love. And we have to say that is a lie. That is not true. The Bible says God so loved. The Bible says nothing can separate us from God's love. And until someone shows you someplace else where it says God has decided to sequester God's love from certain people, then you push back against those notions because it makes the biggest difference in all the world. So we did this series about taboo topics in the church, and it was an emergent worship service, so they were sitting more cafe-style at tables. And one of the things that we had them do is after the scripture had been read and there was a short homily, we had these giant full-length mirrors. And at the top of every mirror was the subject for the day. So capital punishment, abortion, suicide. And it said, Lord, we pray. And then afterward, they would be encouraged to come up and write on the mirror the names of people for whom we are in prayer, who have been confronted with or suffering because of or having to endure decisions that lead them to these places. And as we were getting ready to start the suicide day, I realized that it was coming up, and that week would have been the one-year anniversary for the suicide of a 15-year-old in our neighborhood. And a lot of the youth in my church were shaken when it happened. It was a big loss for them personally. And so I reached out to some of them and I said, we're going to be doing this series and today we're going to be talking about suicide and we have a place in our worship for that day where you can remember and honor someone that has been lost to suicide. And I'm just letting you know if this is something you want to do, please come and be a part of it. Well, that day, a lot of youth that had never come before came into worship and they all sat together. They didn't come with their parents. They came together. And as they sat there and we went over this and we talked about 
what does the Bible say? What does the church believe? And we recognize some of the ways in which the church stigmatizes not only people who have committed suicide, but takes it out on their families and their loved ones who survived them. And that that was not just or loving or filled with grace. And as it came time for them to go and write names on the mirrors, one girl got up and she wrote her na- the girl's name. Her name was Sarah, and she wrote her name on the mirror. And then one by one, her friends got up and they added to it. They decorated it. They started surrounding it with hearts and flowers and, and writing messages. And it was so moving. It was really powerful. And they were crying. There was just this emotional catharsis going on. And I thought to myself, they are so upset. Their parents are going to be livid with me. When they go back, they're going to be like, what have you done to my child? I mean, there was mascara and tears, and it was intense. Well, after worship was over, one of the young women came up to me, and she said, I don't know if you know this, but Sarah wrote her goodbye message on her mirror. And I, I, even now, like, I, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I have harmed these children. I have, I have done something horrific, and I didn't even know. And I said, no, I, d- I didn't know that she had done that. I'm so sorry. And she goes, no, 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 no. She said, it finally felt like we could write back. It finally felt like that we could answer her. She wrote on her mirror about her pain and her loss and that she was sorry. She was sorry that she couldn't live well enough for us. And they could finally write back and say, we still love you. You are still loved. They were pushing back. They were reminding themselves. They were reminding each other. And in their own way, they were reminding Sarah that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It matters. It's important that we know this, that we speak it, that we live it. Because I can't tell you that even after the 8.30 worship service, when I preached this sermon, someone came up to me and said, my pastor, when I was 18, told me that because of something I had done, that I could never go to heaven. I've had people who have told me that because of their state of divorce, they've been told they can't join churches. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And I don't care whether somebody stands up in front of you in a robe and a stole and a big old cross and says to you that someone is burning in hell. That is not their choice. That is not their decision. Paul says that. Who condemns? Only Jesus Christ. He who came to console and heal and perfect us by his love. Who does not seek to condemn, but instead to save. And if he doesn't want to condemn, who are we? to condemn. Who are we to stand here in the light of day and say, you are not equal. You are not worthy. I realize how deep and profound our divisions are. I've been to cemeteries that are divided by race. Like even in our death, we can't be together. I have been to cemeteries that are divided by denomination as if Protestant can't be buried with Catholic. There's actually an image that I had forgotten about where there was a couple in, I think it was Ireland, and one was Protestant and one was Catholic, and when they died, they were not allowed to be buried in the cemetery together. And so one is buried in the cemetery, and the other is buried right on the outside of the wall, and their tombstones come up and actually have hands joining. 
that they would not be separated. That is our image of what God is saying to us. We cannot be separated. And when people are trying to separate because of how they voted in an election or how a marriage turned out or differences about culture and race and gender, we have to be the ones that stand up and say, this is not of God. This is not what God wants. And when people try to tell you that your beloved one may be burning in hell, you should be empowered to say, no, that's not your choice. And God doesn't want that. Instead, God has literally moved heaven and earth so that we could have the greatest opportunity to embrace grace, to be transformed, and to encounter this love for all time. Who are we to snatch that away from somebody? It is not our decision. The church should be the voice ringing out, saying, no. That there aren't people who don't get in because of mental illness. There aren't people that don't get in because they've made poor decisions and become addicted to things. There are people who don't get in because when they were in darkness, they did things that we consider to be such heinous sins that that possibly separates them. I don't find that in the text. I don't see that there. I don't see any kind of annotation that says nothing can separate you except this long laundry list. Instead, nothing, no ruler because they pass away. Even angels can't do it. The heights will be brought low and the depths will be raised up. Everything changes and through it all, God remains constant. My love for you is not movable. It cannot be shifted. It is your foundation. And in the depths of your darkest day, I am with you and I am for you. But that's hard to hear when the darkness is creeping in. When the darkness and the doubt assails you and the sinful inclinations of the heart start to feed off of it. And you start to think, yeah, maybe I'm not worthy. Yeah, maybe God really doesn't want this in heaven for all time. Maybe God has truly had it for me. Maybe I'm three strikes and out. One of your brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be saying to you, that is not true. Don't let that lie take seed in your heart. I mourn routinely for all of the dumb things I have said. I mourn routinely for all the dumb things that others wearing these symbols of power and authority have said. Because when we say something like that, this woman, half a life ago, was still terrified that her best friend was burning in hell. And even though she sat there and I unequivocally showed her places in scripture where that is not true, that doubt was still there. That pain and that sorrow, all of those years of torment and affliction and wondering, why would I want to be a part of a church that deprives a 17-year-old of God's glory? I'm just thankful that she came back and that she came into my office and she had the conversation. Because too often, we say dumb things and people walk away and they'll never come back. We blow it. We ruin our opportunity. So when the day comes, and it will come, and somebody looks at you and says, the Bible, the church, or my pastor says this, push back. 
and tell them no. Tell them what you know. You know in the deepest part of your being, placed there by the Holy Spirit, is the truth that you are known and you are loved. You are of sacred worth. You deserve the preservation of your dignity and that nothing of this earth is ever going to separate you from God's love. Nothing. Because there are people that aren't going to listen to it when it comes out of my mouth. But there are people who will hear it as if Jesus is saying it to them today when it comes out of yours. And I give thanks for that miracle that you can be the vessels of truth and hope and love by simply reminding people what the Bible says, that nothing can and will separate us from the love of God. May this truth go forth and illuminate lives and give hope and maybe pull some who are on the brink back from the edge so that they will dwell here a little longer. And they too will come to see this holy, sacred, eternal truth. We are known. We are loved. And by God's word, we have sacred worth. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.